WOWDLP Tacoma Park. The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, and I'm host of Interfaith Ish. On this ongoing series of conversations that I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. This week I'm speaking with Ethiopian jazz pianist Samuel Yerga. The virtuosic composer actually came late to his instrument, only sitting down at a piano for the first time at age 16. But his talent was evident quickly, and he was soon making albums and collaborating with musicians at home and abroad. During our conversation, Samuel and I explore the roots of Ethiopian modes in the music of the Orthodox Church, and trace the line of Ethio-Jazz legends who influenced Samuel's piano style. Our conversation was a fascinating voyage across the Ethiopian musical landscape, so enjoy my interview with Samuel Yerga. I first learned about your music, I believe it was all the way back in 2012, uh, when you released this really excellent album, Guzo. And right from the first moments in that track, A Bet A Bet, I was totally hooked. Okay. You know, it's it's music that I come back to again and again, and I just find your, your compositions really stirring. So I, first of all, just want to start off by thanking you for, for putting such beautiful music out in the world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And I think it's that, that unique style or mode that that's signature to Ethiopian music that is um, really the thing that captured my heart. You know, there's something that's about the sound that's uh, immediately immediately identifiable as, oh, that's that's an Ethiopian sound, you know, whether it's the, the clarinet or the piano or the voice. You know, you hear it in jazz, you hear it in reggae. You hear it in the weekend, uh, you know, there's a there's a melody and a pattern or a run that's, you know, so attractive and unique to, to Ethiopian style. So one question that I've always wanted to know about uh, when it comes to uh, to Ethiopian music is, do you know what the instruments were that people were using to create that sound before there were keyboards? And, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of electronic keyboard thing is so much a part of what you think of 
you go into any Ethiopian restaurant and the music's playing or, you know, you hear it. It's so yeah. right there. But what was what was creating that that sound before, you know, uh, electronic keyboards were introduced? Of course, uh, we have uh, typical instruments that that represent the country. Uh, as I said, some are really connected to the church, to the Orthodox Ethiopian Orthodox Church, and some are connected to other parts of the country, like uh, the southern part of Ethiopia has its own instrument, its own sound, and different kind of counterpoint melodies, while the northern part of Ethiopia mainly used the uh, straight melodies or melancholic melodies uh, that, that are that used to be seen in the, in the church, in the old church, using those traditional instruments, some are really connected to the religious point of view, like mm. the harp, uh, uh, the Ethiopian harp, which the name is uh, Bagana, that has 10, 10 strings and that are also connected to Ten Commandments. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. So each string has a meaning. And the way of playing that, uh, that again, uh, still pentatonic, but a different kind of uh, playing. Uh, it looks like the krar, which has a five string. We call it five string lyre. Um, similar to Lear, but uh, you might find it in uh, Yemen and other countries too. Okay. This five Lear. We have one string uh, fiddle called Masenko. Um, so they play it like this and they, there's a bow. Uh, right. Low. It's, it, it's kind of violin, but with one string. And you can find this kind of instrument for example, in Mali, but in a different way, in a different right. shape. So right. the whole music came, I can say the whole music came from such instruments and such natures uh, uh, from, the, from the instrument itself. And we moved to the modern instrument after using this traditional instrument. So the influence is uh, real. How in your, your, your mind did that, that, uh, signature Ethiopian rhythm and mode intertwine with jazz music, particularly uh, to produce this this really natural harmony that I see when it comes to Ethiopian jazz. Um, yes, be, the modes are really uh, good for experimental kind of music because mm. it uh, some of them fit exactly with jazz scales or jazz harmony. Uh, some of them are, uh, you know, they let you find a way uh, and uh, link the jazz freedom to to this unique idea. Not not only uh, rhythm, but mainly melody. The, the modes are mainly interesting for, for jazz. Otherwise, you might get six eight rhythm outside Ethiopia. Um, in many African countries, you can you can really find uh, six eight or we call it chikchika 
some other countries, they call it Chaka Chaka or similar kind of names. But the modes, when you come to the modes, they're really different. And the scales will let you find different harmony mm. and freedom to improvise. Uh, and also, you know, jazz needs, uh, always needs uh, a new sound. Mm. And this new sound can be found in our modes. And for me, as a classical music student, I was a classical student uh, at Yari School of Music. I mm. decided to experiment with different styles of music that I normally listen. I took Ethiopian modes mainly and experimented uh, on it, linking or fusing it to uh, different styles, including jazz. And it helped me to find my sound um my kind of expression which i am playing right now which i'm composing mainly Let's come back to this question about the intertwining about the music and the spiritual traditions in Ethiopia. What are the ways in which music is presented in in some of the churches and and maybe some of the other general religious expressions that you that you encounter um, in Ethiopia? Um. First of all, in the Orthodox, I am Orthodox uh, Christian. I grew up um, in that kind of culture, even though I was not playing any kind of music in the church. I, I listened to uh, church music a lot. And I, I admired and I was really excited about 
this special music coming from that church. And that that music uh, was composed by Saint Yared. Saint Yared was from Aksum. Uh, so his composition uh, around 580, I'm not uh, 100% sure about the time, but I guess it's uh, 580. Um, his, his composition became the, the stamp and the identity for this Orthodox uh, music, church, uh, church music. And then the Asmaris, who believe that they came out of the, the St. Yared line, the church music, they continued this culture outside the church using this traditional instrument, especially the mesenko. So they used to perform in the church as well as for the kings. Mm. Uh, so each king had uh, its own asmaris, uh, one or two asmaris or more. So each uh, governor had that kind of uh, asmari, but they were considered as an entertainer. Um, entertainers okay. for the people, entertainers for the for the chair, uh, for the kings. Right. Uh, how you can really see that. Their music is influenced by the the church music, because mm. some modes um, that they play, they mostly play, uh, are really connected to that church uh, expression, church theory coming from Saint Yared. Uh, Saint Yared uh, was a very weak student, academic in academic education. Uh, so he was hopeless. At one point, he was inspired by uh, a worm or something like that. Uh, it's not a worm. What do you call that? Um, yeah, going uh, up to the trees and a falling. Something like that, yes. Um, so go, trying to go up and uh, falling down uh, and repeatedly doing that and then finally managed to go up the tree. So he said, he, he understood that. I, I have to, if this is uh, working for this, um, I have to do it. I have to make it happen. And then he went back to his uncle uh, to, to make it happen again. Uh, at first he was not really good at it and he was not even interested. Uh, then you know the composition believe that he uh learned from the birds and uh, mm. that singing um, and then he wrote it uh in its own his own notation so the church has a different kind of notation different from what we use as uh, western notation so he wrote the dynamics and some of the melodies using that kind of notation. So the notation is still in the church, they use it. Um, and then that influence came to the Asmaris and then came to wedding songs and right. then to pop, pop music. For example, some of the singers, they came 
out of the church. They used to sing in the church and then they moved to uh, secular music. And that influence in singing that kind of melody, that kind of uh, composition became an identity for the country. But I don't want to generalize the, the music of Ethiopia using this uh, northern Ethiopian line. Our southern Ethiopian music is completely different, a different kind of uh, rhythm, diff a different kind of melody. A different kind of approach and the instruments they use is not uh, found in the north. Uh, the east has another influence, like an Arabic kind of influence. They okay. sing Arabic scales. They sing music that looks like an Arabic music. So our variety of uh, elements, uh, cultural elements, uh, are helping us to write music, to, to travel and perform as an Ethiopian. And I believe that we, we didn't even experiment a lot uh, on it. And we didn't really find most of the things that we, we still have. I th thank you for sharing those beautiful stories. I think it's it's so helpful to understand a lot of the, the context for what it is that we're hearing when we're hearing um, Ethiopian music. And certainly Ethiopia as a, as a place, obviously it's quite a large country and it's a country at a crossroads. And one of the beautiful things that I've always appreciated about whether it's Ethiopian uh, food or music or dance, uh, fashion, is that it is this crossroads of of places and this and this blending and and harmony that that is created through bringing together all of these different influences, you know, um, and there's a there's a beauty that's created there. I think it's a testament to to the human experience of what happens when we, you know, combine all of our our gifts and our talents and 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 um, bring them together as as one people. Yeah. You mentioned about the uh, about Saint Yared, and I wonder, are there current recordings that you appreciate, particularly uh, by by contemporary musicians who've who've interpreted some of those um, early traditional songs that are attributed to Saint Yared? Okay, I think one of my my recommendations is uh, Mulatwa Statke's interpretation of Medina and the Lasagna. This is, uh, this is church kind of music. Um, it's not exactly St. Yair's uh, interpretation, St. Yair's music, but a church music that we normally use it for fasting season. And we play it on uh, such stage, uh, it's an open kind of music. There is this collaboration of Mulatu and uh, Theodos Tadesa, an Ethiopian singer now based in the US. They did this beautiful uh, Medina and Zalasenya. I can send you the link. And this can be the exact influence of church music to the modern music that 
uh, or contemporary music that we do mostly now. An element of the music that I hear you create and what I hear generally through Ethiopian music is this meditative quality, this idea of, uh, of cycles that are happening, this rhythm that becomes very circular. Can you talk a little bit about the that experience, particularly when you're thinking of it in a spiritual or religious context? Um, and how, what is the effect? What is the experience like for, um, um, for that music that's coming from those devotional roots? Um, that expression is again, um, you can find, you can find it in the church music and, and uh, also the Asmari, um, the Masenko playing. And when you listen to Yaridic music, they normally um, praise God uh, after midnight, like around uh, 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Mm. They have this, uh, this melodic lines. Uh, you can, it's, it's like impossible to write it. It's not impossible, but it's an expression that it looks like something that you cannot write. It comes and goes. And it's really deep. Um, it takes you to a different world that you don't know. And that, that kind of singing, that kind of uh, playing on the traditional instrument, I wanted, I really wanted to play it on the piano. Yes. I, I normally listen to that kind of singing and that kind of playing on the Masenko and Krark. Uh, but what makes it special and what makes it deeper for me as a piano player is to to take that kind of expression it's not exactly a copy of that but it's um, an influence of that and i to tell you the truth i, I sometimes uh, uh, cry it's not uh, it's not purposely uh, but when i play i normally uh, close my eyes um, on any stage on any big stage mm. or small stage I, when I play piano, I close my eyes. And sometimes I cannot control the feeling, that deep feeling that takes you to a different world. And I, when people ask me, what is the feeling that, that 
um, you normally feel when you play the piano. And for me, it's hard to express. It's hard to express this deep feeling. Um, I, I have never talked about this on any interview, uh, both locally or internationally. I've never said it, but people saw me crying, uh, playing this Ethiopian mods with the expression you mentioned. And I remember some of the people thought that it was, um, uh, it was not, um, cry. I, I was not crying. They thought that uh, it was very hot. The room was very hot and I was sweating, <laughs> but, uh, you know, when I finished playing that, I couldn't, uh, open my eyes because it was all covered and wow. that thing is very deep for me and it's hard to explain for me i can play that for hours uh and stay uh, with that feeling with that immersed kind of feeling um and that's my love for my music for my ethiopian music um i also use harmonies that not many people use here. Um, I try to experiment harmonies that can support this kind of melody, this kind of expression. Um, and then it is becoming like a signature for me uh, to express my music. Um, so I believe that connection, that feeling is coming from that church, the religious uh, influence. Uh, because I, I feel the same with the religious music when I listen from the church coming from far. Uh, normally in, uh, in Ethiopia, while you're at home or sitting uh, in a cafe like this, you can listen to a mosque um, and a church singing. And that sometimes both of them do it at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it has something different, something unique, and I I enjoy it. I really adore uh, that that element. I feel both, even though I am a Christian. I feel the the most uh, singing as well. Sometimes I do that kind of thing together, uh, even though I it's hard to to really sing it. Um, so my music has all the influences coming from that kind of surrounding, that uh, religious uh, influence. Uh, I am into, uh, even though I am not a church musician, I am so much into my religion. That's so exciting to hear you say that. I, I, it reminds me of an experience that I had when I was in Ethiopia. I was in uh, Kombucha and... Well and uh and i have a joke uh in my um experience as a documentary filmmaker that whenever you sit down for an interview it can be completely quiet for hours but as soon as you're ready to start the interview there'll be some sort of noise yeah. that starts up like the construction you know construction sounds or a goat out in the yard or something like that and I had this experience when I was in Kambulcha that we sat down for this interview and 
like you said, the church music started and we said, okay, yeah. we have to wait a little bit for the church music, you know, just wait a few minutes. Okay. We'll, we'll pause. So we waited patiently and we stopped and we said, okay, we're ready to go. Okay. We start again. And then there was the Don, the, the call to prayer from the mosque that started yeah. up. Yeah. And we said, okay, okay. All right. We have to wait for the, <laughs> that to stop, stop too. We'll just sit and be patient for it. And so we waited a couple of minutes and, and the call to prayer stopped and we said, okay, are we ready to go? Okay. <laughs> and then we said, okay, let's go. And then both of them started at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I, that's like so, normal here in Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that was another one that I put on my list. Okay. So <laughs> check the prayer times before you start the interview, you know, that's sort of <laughs> For this song, Ambasel, am I saying it correctly? Ambasel? Yes, that's right. For this song, Ambasel and Box, what were some of the things that you were meditating on when you were creating that song and when you play that song? Ambasel, uh, that, that specific song is a public song. And uh, the composer is not known uh, this music is very old, maybe more than hundred years or two hundred years. We don't we don't really know. Wow. But many singers, many mesenko players, crowd players, uh, clarinet players, uh, even piano players played ambassador in different ways. So I had it uh, in me before I joined the music school. Uh, so when I studied classical, I was into this experimenting um, Ethiopian music. And one of the things I picked was this ambassador. Ambassador is both 
a song, uh, uh, and actually it's also a place as well as uh, a mode. Well, One of our main modes is called Ambassa. Uh, one of the places in uh, Wallo, uh, you said Kombolcha, so Ambassa is not far from uh, Kombolcha. Right. So Ambassa place, and this Ambassa is a song about uh, someone in Ambassa area. So we use both the modes and the place uh, in this music. And so many, many people played it. My idea was what's going to be my signature again? What am I going to bring in this music? What new stuffs can I add? So I was experimenting this thing in the school. And I was playing it in different occasions and students were really interested in it. And the main thing is uh, the ornaments. They're not easy. Even Ethiopians who don't really play such ornaments, it, it's hard for them to play, uh, to express this kind of uh, melody. Uh, the Tizita, the Ambasa, the Bati, they have a different way of uh, ornaments and expressions, this coming and going melodies, uh, the runs and everything. But I added my own harmony, my own, I, I arranged the music um, uh, in a different way. Uh, I made it uh, a piano music. We don't really know it as a piano solo um, mm. song. So I, I tried to make it uh, piano music. It doesn't have to be classical or jazz or anything. I just wanted to come up with something that has an influence coming from my classical influence, my folk and traditional uh, elements and the jazz that I love, uh, the sentimental expressions that I, that I mostly listen. So I combined everything and I came up with something uh, like that. But first I recorded that music uh, in 2008. Uh, at Peter Gabriel's uh, studio. Oh wow! Uh, In the UK, invite, yeah, we went. We went there to record the first album of Deb Colossus, and uh, they saw me. The people working there at the record label they saw me playing, or they were interested in my playing. So they invited me to play on Peter Gabriel's piano. Uh, he's got Bosendorf, a uh, beautiful Bosendorf piano in his own studio. He has got his own studio. And then I first I played something different, a romantic kind of composition. Uh, and then they applauded and they said, can you play your music? And I said, that was my music. And the label manager, her name is Amanda. And she said, no, the music, the special music that you normally play. And I thought about it and I said, okay, let me play that Ambassa. And I played it and they recorded that, uh, that performance. 
and then they played it right after I finished. Uh, and then I think they made uh, Peter Gabriel listen to that. Uh, and uh, I think they loved it. So they decided to sign me as their artist. And then in 2010, when I went there to record my solo album, I played that ambassador again. And uh, the first uh, title was Ambassador in Box. Box is that area. Uh, and then I renamed the second one as Ambassador in Box Revisited. That is the one, you know, uh, on the videos and many people know the second one. Some of the musicians, some of the songs that were a big that stuck with you from childhood. I was not into classical or jazz as a kid. To tell the truth, that's that was not my my type as a kid. But I was into R and B, uh, soul, uh, pop music, uh, bit of uh, slow rock, and pop rock. That that was the kind of music that I loved. But here. In Ethiopia, I, I was into folk, traditional, uh, instrumental music. Then my brother started bringing such uh, albums and we played it uh, in the house. And I remember there was one piano player whom I didn't know as a high school student, um, but I was so much into that, that pianist. So I was listening repeatedly and the music and the arrangement was amazing. Right after I joined the Yari School of Music, I started playing his piano. I started trying what he was playing. And then I decided to ask who was that piano player. And when I asked the name, people told me that it was Elias Nagash who was based in US um, and um, he had different albums, still playing, still living in US. So I, I started searching more about him and I said, this is the Ethiopian piano that I love. Before I released my album, I wrote him and uh, we talked um, 
and then we met up in Addis as well when he came. And he is, is my supporter now. Uh, I respect that guy. Uh, he, 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 he inspired us a lot. But I don't think many people know about him here. Uh, some people that are into instrumental music might know about Elias Negas, but he deserves more. Uh, on the other side, yes, I was in love with Maui's Gage Piano. It was amazing. I always say that the Mahoit against piano is so unique. So from other worlds, it's different from what we play. It's different from what we know as a classical piano or a jazz piano. It's really different. I don't know how she composed that kind of music. And yes, she, she had a connection with the religious side from church and she stopped playing uh, and she became she became a nun and she was oh well in israel for um, the rest of her life until she passed away she was one of my inspiration and the influences uh, uh, of my music came uh, from her as well. Part of this project called Sacred Imaginations. Tell me a little bit about how that collaboration came about, who was involved with it, and, and what your contribution was. Um, this idea was um, uh, created by Sushila Raman, uh, the Indian-British singer, an amazing singer, and her husband, Sam Mills. Um, she's the producer of um, most of her music. So they they decided to bring this influence uh, or to gather people from old Christian countries like Ethiopia, Armenia, and other countries, and to see the influence of the religious side on the kind of music that we normally play now. So when they thought about uh, Ethiopia, they decided to contact me. Uh, Sam contacted me and his team told me about the project. And I said, even though I am not uh, a church musician, 
it's true that uh, there is an influence coming from a church, um, from the Orthodox Church. Actually, I I also listen to uh, Protestant um, uh, church uh, music since I was a small kid. I was singing both of them. So I told him that, yes, there is an influence, and there is that influence in all of my music. You can see that. And he said, that's why we want you to be part of this project. And I said, okay. And we met up in Greece, and one or two musicians, I think more than two musicians, were also from Greece uh, that were part of uh, this project, Sacred Imaginations. We gathered, about 19 uh, people gathered in Greece, Thessaloniki, and we we can say that we composed the music there. Uh, we arranged the music. Uh, we came up to uh, we came up with the new sound and new idea there in Greece, and it was for two weeks. It was I remember it was in two thousand fifteen March, and the concert was in June uh, and July. Uh, so we practiced uh, the whole thing in Greece and we started our show in London, Paris and Berlin. And in 2017, end of 2017, we did another show in London. And after that, um, we didn't do any show. We didn't actually record it in a studio. All the recordings we have, uh, are from the from the concerts from the different concerts yeah it's it's a remarkable series and i think it's such a beautiful collection of songs from what i've heard from it from those live recordings that you're talking about i saw that the series was described as a religious service so for you performing and um sharing this sacred experience you know this this uh as you said before you're you're not explicitly a a a uh, a church musician but there's such a strong influence there for you tell me a little bit about about being in that space uh particularly with these diverse artists from so many different places what was the the feeling for you as a spiritual it feeling was an amazing experience it was exciting uh very new for me because you know sometimes you play you experiment on Ethiopian music and you take it to uh different countries to perform but when you meet up with another element uh, another uh, musician from for example from Greece some of the music can relate and other parts of the music uh, were different and hard to connect. So, uh, music from India, music from Armenia, uh, mm. from uh, Russia, Lebanon, Turkey. You know, some of them they have similar uh, kind of music. Like, for example, when you talk about uh, Greece, Turkey. Um, Armenia, when they 
they were there, their singing has some kind of similarity and they also know some of the music. Um, I mean, all of them know, for example, one song uh, from the church. And it was, it was different. My music or the music that I took had a similarity with a bit of similarity with Indian um, music. So okay. when Sushila, when Sushila was singing, and when I was playing, we related. We had a connection, and she, and she was really uh, happy about it. And finally, she said, "I want to do. I want to sing uh, your no more because we also sing that in India." So. The experience was extremely amazing. All of them were amazing musicians from different uh, countries. Um, and the result was also outstanding. Uh, we were all happy. It was all new for all of us. Our experience was different. Um, the, the ties that we created Sometimes you might not think to connect your music to Greece or to Turkey, but this thing connected us. This religious uh, element uh, connected us a lot. And we created very deep music when we played it uh, on all of the concerts. And it was special for the audience as well. Uh, many people wrote me uh, after the concerts and especially people who couldn't attend the, the concert, they wrote me saying, why don't you present it here? Uh, but the budget for the whole thing was a lot. Yeah, 19 and, musicians is a, is a, a lot to bring around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember, I think there were people from Syria and uh, I don't know if uh, I. I don't think they they made it to this uh, project, but there, I, there was an idea of Syrian uh, musicians to be part of this because there was an old Christian culture in Syria as well. Right. So for me, it's one of the best experiences. It's one of my my f most favorite. Uh, Projects. I've been part of different projects. I've been part of uh, different ideas coming from different sides of the world. I, I had collaboration collaborations with European musicians, with African musicians, uh, with Ethiopian musicians, uh, music from US, uh, from Brazil. However, this one, this project, Sacred Imaginations, was special for me.
little sun Would dark around which blazed Until the morning dawned The land of Kush The land of Kush was filled with light The land of Kush was filled One of the things that I ask each of my guests uh, as part of our, our conversation ties back to the name of this series. The name of the series is Soul Ladder Music, and it comes from a line from the holy writings of the Baha'i faith. I don't know if you've ever encountered the Baha'i community or the Baha'i faith there in Ethiopia. I know. Uh, you know about it. Yes, there are some people. I know some followers. Yes. Beautiful. So there's this line from the writings of Baha'u'llah, who's the prophet of the Baha'i faith, that says that God has made music as a ladder for our souls. And okay. I'm I'm curious for you, as a as as a, as a musician who's who's also very deeply influenced by your religious experience and the spiritual experience of making music. How do you interpret this idea of God making music as a ladder for our souls? Uh, it's a very deep expression, actually, what you just uh, mentioned. Um, for me, I always, I always tell people that uh, music is something amazing like the wind like uh, like our soul that is uh, not going to be or that that's not going to end anytime and it's it's always amazing that we haven't really finished composing um it's amazing that there's always new stuffs coming from music so there must be something some something special about it like like as i said like the water like the wind like our soul this is not something that is not finished soon this will live with us forever if we live music will live with us so i always want to give respect and uh value for music i don't want to abuse music because this is something god gave us uh, and it's one of the blessings of this world um, and I always I always mention this to people who are not really seeing music uh, as a as something precious um, it's it's something that connects us to God as well it's something that connects uh, us to um, to the rest of the people, to the rest of the world, to the end of the world, I mean, to the corner of the world. So how come we don't really give a special value for music? So I always um, highlight that. And the the expression that you see, you, you put here, uh, uh, ladder for our soul, is uh, an exact 
um, expression for my my detail. Yeah, that's such a terrific reflection. I I appreciate you sharing how that uh, image hits you, and yeah, I've just I've just been uh, uh, I've been marveling at at all of the deep connections that you've made through this conversation about the spiritual experience of, of making music for you. So thanks again for, for taking the time to be with me. I really appreciate getting to talk to you. Thank you so much. I re really appreciate that. Uh, we did this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. You can find Samuel Yurga's music across all streaming platforms and look for his live performances from the Sacred Imagination series with Sushila Rahman on YouTube. The podcast version of our show is also on all podcast platforms. And as always, I'll have links to all the songs in this episode in our show notes. Be sure to check out the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify for a running list of all the music played during the series. Thanks as always to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music and to associate producer Aiden Keys. Keep tuning in to WOWD 94.3 FM, Tacoma Radio, for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at tacomaradio.org.